Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. This is Much Cited United, where we look back at some of the most significant games in the club's history. By doing so, we find stories we weren't expecting to, discuss players we'd kind of forgotten, and maybe, just maybe put a smile on your face during these strange times. It's April 24th, and on this day in 2007, the big night called for a big finish, and Wayne Rooney provided it. Manchester United, off the back of a 7-1 thumping of Roma in the quarter-final, hosted AC Milan in the 2007 Champions League semi-final. It was United's first semi-final since 2002, when we'd gone out to buy a Leverkusen on away goals. The 7-1 at Roma, and if you want to relive that, we spoke to legendary commentator Clive Tilsley, so check that out. Well, it was a coming-of-age moment for this United side, with the young talents of Rooney, Ronaldo, Carrick, Fletcher, etc. But going into the Milan game, injury problems were mounting, and AC Milan posed a very different threat to Roma. Clive Tilsley puts it nicely in his commentary. Average age of the 10 Milan outfield players, over 29. Average age of the 10 United outfield players, under 26. Number of Milan senior players absent through injury, none. Number of United senior players absent through injury, six. Number of Milan starting lineups that played 90 minutes last weekend, none. Number of United starting lineup that had to play 90 minutes last weekend, eight. This is not Roma. This is a tried and tested team at this level, primed and proven. This is a very different Italian job to last time. The month of decision begins here. In this episode, we'll be joined by Daniel Harris, who's a writer for The Guardian and of books and was creative producer for the magnificent recent film Busby. He's followed United home and away for many, many years in England and Europe. The 2006-17 were actually my favourite team of the later Fergie years, more than the 2008 team, because I thought that Ronaldo was a lot more fun when he was playing on the right, because he was still a winger, so he was still... Yeah looking to take the piss whereas by 2008 he was all about scoring goals really and yeah I liked I liked the I liked Sahar I liked the way that he I liked the way that he brought the rest of the team together playing up front until Fergie went and ruined it by signing Henrik Larsson 
and obviously Saha got injured a lot as well, but he was never quite the same after Fergie started picking Larson ahead of him to do mainly fuck all, actually. <laughs> and um, what happened, I think, in 2007 was, as you say, the team were knackered by the end of the season. So what you got was they limped over the line in the league, they were shite in the cup final, and against Milan, they, they, they had too many, just too many defensive injuries. And what, what happened... I, I maintain, obviously, you never know what's going to happen because, as you said, that Milan team are good. But if United had had a fit Ferdinand Vidic in that first leg rather than Wes and Heim bumping into each other, then I think there's a pretty good chance United would have got to that, that final. United's defence did let them down. But first, Cristiano Ronaldo started things off after five minutes in perfect fashion. It seemed like maybe it would be like Rome all over again. Ryan kicks with the corner, it's towards Ronaldo, Dido was nervous, it's in, Gabriel Ainsig on the final touch, and Manchester United are at it again, take off inside five minutes, Ainsig with the biggest beam because I think he just smuggled it over the line. An interesting bit from that commentary is the line on Ronaldo, he's full of grace, he's beautiful to watch etc, but he's a really athletic player. This was before he turned into this monstrous specimen and as Daniel Harris said, this was when he was at his, his most enjoyable, when he was cutting inside, doing the step overs, unleashing those really powerful shots and the, the rise to 42 goals the next season kind of signalled the mark of uh, the end of that Ronaldo era. Of, uh, of brilliant showboating and, and being really fun to watch. But United did go down. Ronaldo put us in front, but then Kaka, after 22 minutes with his first bit of individual brilliance, or the first bit leading to a goal, because he'd already been terrorising the United defence. The first one from Kaka accelerates past Gabriel Ense. One beautiful touch to take it past two United players and then slots it past Edwin van der Sar, who doesn't do quite as well as some might have hoped. Kaka accelerating away from Ense and equalising! Wonderful individual goal by Kaka. They just couldn't live with his pace. And having freed himself from the attentions of Gabriel Ense, Kaka, cool as you like, slotted it past Edwin van der Sar. And in the blink of an eye, Manchester United... The second, though, after Kaka had four saves out of van der Sar again and again, the second goal is something quite ridiculous. He outmuscles Fletcher, dinks it over Ense, pokes it past Evra and finishes past van der Sar. Here's Kaka, he's seen off Fletcher, he's seen off Ainsley, he's still going, it's wonderful from Kaka, absolutely magical, he played them on his own then and he beat them all, and Kaka has struck twice in his first half, all his own work, stunning goal. You can't deny the, 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 way that, the way that Milan took advantage of the errors that United made, and I think the thing with Kaka that I always loved was the, was the elegance and the change of pace. Like some players, you just they don't look like they're making any effort to move really quickly, and yet all of a sudden they're off. Um, I hate to say it, but Steven Gerrard was sort of one of those players as well. If you're making a list of fast players, he wouldn't be on it, but his change of pace and his ability to move away from people with the ball was was similar to Kaka, I think. And um, one of the other players, it's funny, was. Um, with Seydorf because he was until that time he was one of those players in your mind you have a list of players who are meant to be good who you've never seen play well and he was he was one of mine and then that time he was he was also excellent traditional reading of that game is that United got outclassed by a better team I don't think it's true United got whacked in, in Milan in the second leg because again like they, they were knackered and they had injuries and Milan played really well that night 
But I actually always prefer the first leg to be at home because partly I'm perhaps I'm just scarred by Monaco and Dortmund <laughs> in the 90s. But I guess the way I look at it is you're able to properly get into the tie in the first leg. Whereas if you play in the second leg, when, when the second leg's away, the, other, like, you've got, the away goal situation is in your favour. And I would always take that than the idea of another team scoring an away goal. Like I remember when when United played Barcelona in the in the final in the semi in 2008, and they get this corner in the last minute, and suddenly you're thinking, if they score from this, the tie is equal. It's a draw, except we lose. And I would much prefer that United to have that power to get that away goal. Plus, I think that it just gives you an opportunity to play your way into the tie at home. And as United did against Porto in '97, to actually finish the tie in the first leg. But um, United, yeah, that, they, they played well. They played well against Milan, and the only thing that let them down was was the defence. Was Gabriel Hines, who was not even really any good at left back at that point, a centre back, and against the team who have the players that Milan that Milan had, they were United gave them gave them goals, but Milan had the players who were good enough to take advantage. But it wasn't like Milan played United off the pitch. They played them off the pitch in the second leg. They're a good team, but, but but not in the first leg. And I still think to this day that if United had, had a first team available, then United would have won that time. Manchester United have got to pick themselves up and dust themselves down and start all over again here tonight. Kaka's two moments of brilliance were breathtaking in their own way. But in the second half, United came out with the right attitude and Paul Scholes provided his own little moment of world-class quality. A lovely dinked chip over for Wayne Rooney to chest down and take it past. With that one pass, Scholes took out three or four AC Milan players, gave Rooney the chance to slot it past Dida and equalise for United. Scholes, that's clever. Rooney's there! Goalkeeper couldn't keep it out! Manchester United are back in business! Wayne Rooney is the goal scorer! Oh, what a pass! What a pass to play him in! Manchester United 2, Milan 2. Yeah, it was amazing. And the thing I, I think the thing now that I love most about Scholes is that he always did what the game demanded of him. So if it was if it, it was if it was necessary to play a simple pass, he played a simple pass, and mainly he did keep it simple. And that was one of the reasons he was so good because much as people like to complicate it, football is not complicated, and Scholes understood that. But every now and again, you see him do something like that scoop pass because. That was what the situation demanded of him. And he only ever did it when the situation demanded it of him. And one of the things that I love when you're watching huge games like that is seeing the best players grab their moments. So seeing Rooney and Skulls combine like that to turn to turn a semi-final against Milan on his head is an amazing thing to watch because it's, you're just so enraptured by, by the brilliance of these players and seeing them produce it at the key moments. And at clutch is... I find anyway a massively affirming thing to watch. Yeah, the third goal, Rooney's. I think I've, I've, someone asked on Twitter the other day for uh, whose name sounded best when shouted by a commentator at like the peak of of a, of a commentary <laughs> when they score. And I think that Rooney shout from Clive Tilsley as he hits it first time past Dina is kind of. I, I think that's almost perfection. And that moment, that 2007 side, the, I, we spoke to Clive Tilsley for the um, 
for the the previous one we did on the Roma game, and he said that kit was just perfect the way that it was that that harking back to the he said the harking back to the 50s with the the white crest and the the gold trim and stuff and that kit that era of Rooney when he really was still just about the the young kind of marauding centre forward who basically was appeared everywhere on the pitch which he kind of maintained but became more aggressive and less the the mixture of innocence and aggression and that goal was ridiculous as well Although I've said that about yeah, quite a lot it, of them so far. Well, it's just the confidence and the game intelligence to hit it that early. And I, I totally agree with you about Clive Pillsbury. I can, I, can I can hear Clive Pillsbury's voice in my ears right now. And there aren't that many commentators you can say that about. And Clive, I love Clive Pillsbury. And it's a shame that we don't get to enjoy him more, regularly, more often these days. But yeah, in, in, in the treble season, he absolutely nailed every element of the key moments of commentary, whether it was the speech he made, I think, after Inter's brilliant... Um, the speech he makes before Juventus and all the key goals, people like you still know them now. And obviously, it's partly because you've watched them back so often. But I promise, I promise you that if Guy Mowbray had done that commentary, you wouldn't appreciate it in the same way because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't have. And it's not particular this to Guy Mowbray, who's fine, but he does. But he doesn't have the personality and the turn of phrase and the doesn't create the sense of drama that Clive Tilsey was able to create and. Yeah, the, the shouting of Rooney is, is amazing. And Rooney is, and, and it's also, I guess, the, one of the reasons why Rooney sounds so great shouting is because he causes people to shout his name quite often by doing stuff that makes you scream. And that goal is one of those occasions because no one, including Dida, who is obviously one of your greatest dodgy keepers, but still, no one, including Dida, was expecting him to hit that when he hit that. But he knew that hitting that when he hit that was the best way to score because everything else was against him other than the element of surprise so that's what he did Kicks. Rooney oh! how good was that the big nine gets a big finish from Wayne Rooney rattled it past Dida that is perfection Commentary perfection. We'll play it one more time. Kicks. Rooney! Oh! How good was that? The big nine gets a big finish from Wayne Rooney. They've produced. Spellbinding. Absolutely spellbinding. Just a flicker of a smile. Now he breaks out in a big grin because Manchester United, thanks to him, thanks to Wayne Rooney, who has lived in the shadow. The second leg was equally as spellbinding, but this time because of the sheer quality that Milan showed in an emphatic first half where Kaká opened the scoring before more goals from Seydorf and Gilardino. Carlo Ancelotti, who was Milan manager, said... It was an evening of dreams. To play the way we did in the first half is a dream for a coach. It was perfect football. Milan, of course, went on to win the 2007 Champions League and avenge the dark memories of Istanbul. Elsewhere in the Champions League that week, Liverpool had beaten Chelsea in the other semi-final the night before. For 24 hours at least, the prospect of a Manchester United-Liverpool final to be played in Athens was very real. Perhaps it will never happen. And perhaps that's for the best. The two European Cups got away under Fergie were Madrid in 2000 
and Milan in 2007. And the reason why I say that is, I know other people say Leverkusen, but United weren't the best team in Europe that season. And other people say Dortmund. And if you beat Dortmund, then you've still got to play that Juventus in the final. Whereas those two seasons were the seasons where I thought that United were the best team in Europe. And I think actually, looking back, they represent the two major junction moments in the later years of Fergie. Because what happened when United lost to Madrid in 2000 was that United never again played with the same abandon as they did winning the treble. Because obviously they got caught on the break in the second half by, by Madrid. And so they then started to try a bit, be a bit cannier, which was seemed wrong at the time because United had been picked off by Madrid because they went mad. Not because they played in their normal style, but because they went wild. And if they just had been a little bit more controlled, I think they would have won. I think they would have done enough and won that game and won that tie. But then, and in retrospect, it also sort of marked the end of the treble team. And then when it got done by Munich the following season, when it was obvious that that team was finished. And the, the Milan game, if United had had a fit Ferdinand and Vidic in that first leg, rather than Wes and Hein bumping into each other, then I think there's a pretty good chance United would have got to that that final, we would have all had to contend with the absolute total horror of the European Cup final against Liverpool. God, yeah, I mean, yeah, who, who needs that in their life? But one, you would have expected United to win. And so what happened that summer was Fergie made sure that that never happened again because he went out and he bought Hargreaves and he bought Nanny and he bought Anderson. So what that meant, as far, the way I see it anyhow, was that they never again achieved the cohesion as they had in 2007, because he was constantly changing the team, where 2007, more or less, it was very close to the same team every week. But what it meant was when the big games came at the end of the season, United had enough left in the tank to get over the line in the league and, get, and win the Champions League, because most of the players had played quite a lot less, and he had options on the bench to change things. Yeah, and I guess the signing of Tevez as well, the, the kind of the evolution from Sahar and Smith to Carlos Tevez is a quite... Well, Smith is, is probably more like Tevez in the way that he hounded down defenders and, and Tevez just took that up a notch. That's the other difference with 2007-2008 was Giggs and Skulls were another year younger, so able to give you a little bit more. Giggs, was able, Giggs didn't play much on the left, I don't think, after 2006-07. But that, that season he was, he was still playing on the left and I think that made a difference as well. I also forgot Tevez, actually, who, as you say, was a class above Alan Smith and better, and better than Sahar. Yeah. Although, funnily enough, um, and I don't like saying this much either, I'll, I was surprised by how good he was for City because um, at United, I think that he was a good player and obviously worked really well in that team. But I used to find him quite frustrating. He, in the, the first touch, used to annoy me and looked like he was running in a wind tunnel. And when he turned up at City, felt like he'd lost a few stone and was much, quicker and I thought he was a much better player for City than he was for United even though he was great for United and in one of United's best ever teams um, and an integral part of that um, he I, I think he was I think he got better after he left United because mm. he got quicker in one however he managed to achieve that um, I seem to me he lost some weight um, he, he got quicker but yeah he was a much higher quality version of Alan Smith with the foraging um, but he, it was a bit like, I remember when he thought Bale play for Madrid and he had Ronaldo and Benzema and Modric and Cruz around him. 
he's obviously a good player, but he always looked like his first touch and his technical ability and his dexterity on the ball wasn't quite the level of the others. And he obviously made up for that in other ways. Yeah. And that was how I felt about Tevez at United. But in retrospect, replacing him with Berbatov was a massive fucking error. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Much Sighted United with me, Harry Robinson. Thank you to my guest, Daniel Harris. Check out his writing and definitely watch Busby if you haven't already. Next up on Much Sighted United and the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, we speak some more guests, get the thoughts of Daniel again, and look back to his famous 4 2 win Goodison Park in 2007. Bye for now. Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.